is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Tracy Blockins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise guys. These guys know sports. Wise guys. Tracy Blockins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here on this Thursday, October the 20th, here on the Wise Guys Sports Show on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember going follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore OH. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Another day on the Wise Guys Sports Show with your boy Trey Larkins. It is NFL Week 7. We got a big-time matchup in the Bay this weekend. It's a Super Bowl 54 rematch between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to talk about it on tonight's show. It's going to be in San Francisco at Levi Stadium out there in San Francisco. So, big-time matchup, Super Bowl 54 rematch. Also. We have the MLB playoffs going on tonight. We got the Yankees and Astros in Houston. Live update. They are in the top of the second. Zero outs. The Astros lead the best of seven series. One game to zero. And in the NL, they have moved to Philly as the Padres and the Phillies are both tied at one game apiece. So the National League Championship Series has shifted to Philadelphia and the American League Championship Series is being played currently in Game 2 in Houston. But also tonight, it's interesting because today marks just the 26th sports equinox ever. There will be an NFL game, MLB game, NBA game, an NHL game all played on the same day. We got Saints at Cardinals, Yankees at Astros, Bucks at Sixers, Clippers at Lakers tonight in L.A., and then we got 12 NHL games on, plus college football and MLS playoffs and more. Epic day in sports. Just the 26 sports equinox ever. I can't remember the last time we had NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL all on the same day. So. Big time night in sports. So if you ain't got nothing going on tonight and you, you want to watch some sports, you got plenty of options to choose from tonight. And also, we got some great matchups in college football this weekend. The, the Bearcats, they're going, they're going to play Saturday at SMU. So that's a big time matchup for the Bearcats. And then Ohio State, they'll be back in action this weekend as well. I can't wait for that. Ohio State-Penn State matchup later on in the season. Also, Ohio State's going to play Michigan. Last year, Michigan beat Ohio State in Michigan. That was the first time in a very long time where the Wolverines beat the Buckeyes. But this year, the game is going to be played in Columbus. So it's going to be a great sports weekend. The NBA is back. The NHL is back. 
great sports weekend that I'm looking forward to. Ohio State, they're going to be in action this weekend against Iowa. Ohio State is the number two team right now in the nation. Again, you see they're playing SMU at 12 o'clock. Some other big-time matchups in college football this weekend. We got Minnesota and Penn State. So that's a big matchup I'm looking forward to on ABC, 7.30 p.m. I, I was so excited about that matchup last week between Alabama and Tennessee. And it lived up to the billing. It, it, it lived up to the hype. And that was a sensational game last week in Knoxville. Tennessee beat Alabama. And the fans, they took down the goalpost and walked out of the stadium with the goalpost. So, man, it was a great atmosphere and great game to watch on TV between the Crimson Tide and the Volunteers. But we begin tonight in the NFL as we got a Thursday night matchup. It's the New Orleans Saints traveling to Arizona to take on Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are favored by two and a half points. It's an 8.15 p.m. kickoff. The over-under for this game is 44. And tonight, DeAndre Hopkins will make his season debut. He was suspended for the first six games of the season for the Arizona Cardinals. For the New Orleans Saints, they're dealing with a bunch of injuries right now. Wide receiver Michael Thomas, he's out with a foot injury. Wide receiver Jarvis Landry, he's out with an ankle injury. Tight end Adam Thutman, he's out with an ankle injury. Guard Andrus Pete, he's out with the pectoral injury. And all-pro cornerback Marshawn Lattimore will be out tonight with an abdomen injury. So, as I look at this matchup tonight, these are both two, two and four football teams. Both of these teams have struggled to start the season. Let's start off with the New Orleans Saints. Coming into the season, I had high expectations for the Saints. And I said that the New Orleans Saints would be a playoff team in the NFC. They were one of my seven teams that I had making the playoffs because I thought, they had Jameis Winston, and I believe Jameis Winston, when he doesn't turn the ball over, can be a good quarterback. He's not elite, but I believe he can be a good quarterback who you can win games with when he doesn't turn the football over and he protects the football. Last year, before his season-ending injury, Jameis had 14 touchdowns, three interceptions. He had 1,170 passing yards last year he completed 62 percent of his passes so Jameis last year had a pretty good season before his injury I had the Saints as a playoff team in the NFC because I look at their offense they got Chris Olave I think Chris Olave was one of the best receivers coming out of college this year they brought back Michael Thomas Michael Thomas hasn't produced yet for the Saints but we know when Drew Brees was playing for the New Orleans Saints. Michael Thomas was a top five receiver in the NFL. That one season, Michael Thomas broke the all-time receptions record for single season. So 
I said that the Saints offensively would be a good team. You got Alvin Kamara in the backfield. And I think Alvin Kamara is a very dynamic running back. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He creates mismatches for opposing teams' linebackers. Can't no one in the open field guard Alvin Kamara. So Alvin Kamara, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Jameis Winston's ability to throw the ball down the field effectively. I thought that the Saints were a playoff team. I love their defense. Defensively, they got Cameron Jordan up front. At linebacker, they got Demario Davis. In their secondary, they got Marshawn Lattimore. They signed Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew in free agency this year. So I said, oh, the Saints, they are a playoff team in the NFC. They should be a playoff team in the NFC. They have a balanced football team. But so far this season, they haven't been very good offensively or defensively. Defensively, they're ranked in the bottom half of all the major statistical categories. They give up 359 total yards per game. That's ranked 17th in the NFL. They give up 222 passing yards per game. That's ranked 16th in the NFL. They give up 121 rushing yards per game. That's ranked 20th in the NFL. They give up 26 points per game. That's ranked 29th in the NFL. So in major defensive categories, this Saints team has been terrible. They've been terrible. Now, offensively, they did lose Jameis Winston at the beginning of the season. So it's been Andy Dalton the last few games. And I like the way Andy Dalton honestly has played. So far, Andy Dalton, he has 585 passing yards, three touchdowns, one interception. And I thought last week, Andy Dalton, he played pretty good against the Bengals. They put up 26 points against that Bengals defense last week. So I like the way that Andy Dalton played in the matchup last week. But offensively, the Saints, they haven't been good this year. They're ranked fourth in total yards per game, but that's the only category offensively where they've been top five in. They're top 10 in total rush yards per game. They average 151 rushing yards per game. That's ranked seventh in the NFL. But passing yards per game, they average 231 passing yards per game. That's 15th in the NFL. So offensively and defensively, the Saints have been a disappointing football team overall. They've been disappointing. You look at their schedule. In week one, they beat the Falcons. They came back in that matchup. They were trailing 16-7 at the half. Winston brought them back, and they beat the Falcons 27-26. In week two, it was a competitive game for the first three quarters. That was the matchup, NFC South battle, the game where Mike Evans storms on the field, tackles. Marshawn, Lattimore, and Mike Evans ended up getting suspended, but they lost that game 20 to 10. They lost to the Panthers in week three, 22 to 14. That's when I knew that there is trouble in New Orleans. You lose to Baker Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers. We know how abysmal the Carolina Panthers are, and you lost to the Carolina Panthers. Very, very disappointing performance from the Saints in week three. Week four. 
They only lost by a field goal. It was the game in London against Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. They lost that game 28-25, but they were competitive in that game. And then in week five, they lost to the Seahawks 39-32. They made Geno Smith look like the second coming of Russell Wilson. That's Seattle Russell Wilson, not Denver. That version of Russell Wilson was an elite quarterback. But Geno Smith in that game, he had over 250 passing yards, three touchdowns. So you look at their game so far this season, they haven't been very good overall. They gave up 30 last week to the Bengals. That was the Bengals' best offensive performance so far this season. And they lost that game 30-26. to 26. So they've been a very, very disappointing football team to start the season. I thought that they were going to be competing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC South. And I didn't expect them to win the NFC South, but I did expect the Saints to be a contender for a wild card spot in the NFC. And it just hasn't been the case. Let's transition to the Arizona Cardinals. They are two and four on the season. They are led by Kyler Murray. And so far on the season, Kyler Murray, he has six touchdowns, four interceptions, 1,463 passing yards. He's completed 65% of his passes so far this season. I haven't been impressed with this Cardinals offense. I believe that offensively, they have no formula on how to win games. And honestly, you could look, you could look at their offense and it shows in how they play. This is the Cardinals' offensive ranks this season. Total points scored per game. They scored 19 total points per game. That's ranked 22nd in the NFL. Pass yards per game. They averaged 227 passing yards per game. That's ranked 16th in the NFL. They averaged 119 rush yards per game. That's average. That's dead in the middle. That They're ranked 15th in the NFL. Total passing touchdowns, six on the season. That's ranked 20th in the NFL. And they have five giveaways. That's the second fewest in the NFL. So that's that's not bad. But overall, offensively, they haven't been very impressive. And they have missed DeAndre Hopkins. So getting DeAndre Hopkins back is going to help this Cardinals offense. But week one, they got blown out by Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Week two, they beat Derek Carr and the Las Vegas Raiders in overtime. That was a great game. Week three, they lost to the Rams, only scored 12 points in that game. Against the Panthers, they only scored 16 or 26 points. I'm sorry, they had 26 points against the Panthers in a win. But I can't call that a signature win. The, Car- the, the Panthers are awful. The Panthers are an awful football team. And then in week five, they only scored 17 points against the Eagles. In week five, that probably was the Eagles' worst game played so far this season. Eagles are 6-0 on the season, but in week five, they only put up 20 points against that Cardinals defense. And in in week six, they only scored nine points against the Seahawks. This ain't LOB. This ain't Legion of Boom. That's not that Seahawks team. That's not that version of the Seahawks. So for you to only score nine points, it's unacceptable for the Cardinals' offense. The Cardinals' defense actually has been impressive this year. 
defensively and total yards per game. They only give up 353 total yards per game. That's ranked 15th in the NFL. They only give up 104 rushing yards per game. That's tied for seventh in the NFL. So defensively, they've been pretty good. It's been the offense that's been the issue for the Arizona Cardinals, which is why I have a problem with Cliff Kingsbury. He's the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. I still don't understand how Cliff Kingsbury got the Arizona Cardinals job to begin with. I I don't understand how he was chose to be the head coach in Arizona because you look at Cliff Kingsbury's record at the collegiate level. He didn't even have a winning record at Texas Tech. Cliff Kingsbury, he went 35 and 40. He didn't even have a winning record at Texas Tech. And so far since he's been the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals in 2019, they go five, 10, and one. They finished last in the NFC West. 2020, they go eight and eight, third in the NFC West. Last year, they finished 11 and six, second in the NFC West. They did make the playoffs last year. But since he's been the head coach in Arizona, Cliff Kingsbury is 26 8 or 26 28 and one. So he's won 48% of his games. So he hasn't been impressive so far as a head coach in the NFL. And his expertise is supposed to be offense. I look at this Arizona Cardinals offense. They have no rhythm offensively whatsoever. It's almost like they play street ball and just expect Kyler Murray to make something out of nothing. They have no rhythm offensively at all. None. I don't understand what the hell Cliff Kingsbury is doing. Like, I know you got Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray has playmaking ability at quarterback, but you have to have a flow offensively and have a game plan to attack opposing defenses. And Cliff Kingsbury and his Cardinals offense has not done that in the first six games of the season. Now, maybe DeAndre Hopkins, his return back to the lineup, Maybe he can help this offense get back on the right track and they can start flowing offensively overall. But usually when I look at these the Arizona Cardinals, in pre- previous years, they would start off the season hot. Remember last year, they started off the season 7-0. and And then in week eight, the Packers rolled into Arizona and they beat the Cardinals on Thursday night football. So it's a complete turnaround compared to last season, what it is this season so far. Last year, they finished 11-6. and They already lost four games this season. So Cliff Kingsbury's teams, even in college, for whatever reason, they start off hot and they don't end so well. They always end bad. This year, it's the exact opposite. They started off terrible. Let's see if he can write the ship and Kyler Murray can write the ship and get this Cardinals team back into playoff contention. They haven't been very good so far this year. They don't run the ball very much. And like I said, I think Kyler Murray just, they just dropped Kyler Murray back to pass and they expect him to make plays in the open field. Kyler Murray for the season, 
He has been an average quarterback considering what he's working with. Now, you remember going into the season, they did sign Kyler Murray to a new contract extension. And everyone was talking about he had a study clause in his contract. It doesn't look to be much studying going on in Arizona right now by the head coach or the quarterback. I didn't think the Cardinals would be a playoff team, but I thought they would be a team that could compete in the NFC. And they've been a major disappointment to start the season. I didn't have them as a playoff team, but I said they would compete in the NFC overall, and they haven't done that. They just haven't done that. And offensively, they've been one of the worst teams in the NFL, and their defense has been the strength of their team. They got James Conner at running back. He's going to be out tonight. You got Rondell Moore. You got A.J. Green at receiver. They did trade for Robbie Anderson earlier this week. Remember, he got into it with his coaches last week in Carolina. They did lose Hollywood Brown. And at tight end, they got Zach Ertz. I love that trade they made for Zach Ertz last year. That was a big-time trade because I think Zach Ertz can help Kyler Murray in the passing game. Their offensive line is average. They're not very good. They're average. But defensively, they got J.J. Watt. They got Zach Allen at linebacker. They got Isaiah Simmons. I think he's a great young linebacker in the NFL. They got Byron Murphy Jr. in their secondary. They got Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker at safety. So they got some pieces defensively that they can build around. Marco Wilson, the other cornerback as well. So the defense has been the surprising strength of their team. So when I look at both of these teams, which team has the best chance to turn it around, Saints or the Cardinals, because they both are two and four. The Cardinals, the rest of their schedule after tonight, week eight, they're at Minnesota. That's a loss. Week nine, they're home against the Seahawks. That, that should be a win. Week 10, they're at L.A. Rams. That's a loss. Week 11, they're home against the 49ers. That's a loss. And week 12, they're home against the Chargers. That's probably going to be a loss. And then their other games against the Patriots, Broncos. They could beat the Broncos. And then they got the Falcons in week 17. That's a game they should win. And they got the Bucks week 16. That's a loss. Week 18, 49ers. That's a loss. So two and four. We get to that point of the season where you're not going to be able to bounce back if you're four or, you know, two or three games behind 500. You're not going to be able to bounce back from that. Like, if you're two and five before Halloween, you're not going to be a playoff team. It's just not going to happen. Not in the NFC. Two and five before Halloween, no, 17-game schedule and all, but I can't see the Cardinals or the Saints bouncing back from being two and five. So whichever team loses tonight, they're eliminated from playoff contention. Not mathematically and not officially, but in my eyes, if you go two and five in the first seven games of the season, your chances of making the playoffs is very slim. But that being said, tonight I'm going to roll with the New Orleans Saints to beat the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday night football, 23 to 20. So I think the Saints are going to get it done on the road and get a much needed road 
win. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. I'll be back, and we're going to talk about the best three and three team out of the break. Be right back. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Tracy Blockers, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Blockers, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise guys. These guys know sports. Wise guys. Tracy Blockers, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Call into the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. Let's talk about the NFL Week 7 and any of the teams that's going to be playing this weekend. Who do you want to discuss? Call in about your team. We can talk about your team tonight on the show, whether it's the Bengals, whether it's the Steelers, whether it's the Packers. 49ers, Bills, team that's having a great season so far. Call into the show. Or we can talk some baseball. We got the MLB playoffs going on right now. And then we have the NBA officially being back. Giannis in Philly tonight, taking on James Harden and Embiid at the Wells Fargo Center. Great matchups in the NBA tonight. Lakers, Clippers tonight at Staples. Yes, I still call it Staples. I still call it Staples Center. It's not. I'm not with the new name. I'm with the Staples Center to me. That will all be always be the house that Kobe built. Now let's transition to the second topic of the night. It is breaking point for four, three and three teams right now in the NFC. And this was the question of the day on the show tonight. Which three and three team is more likely to make the Super Bowl from the NFC? The Buccaneers, Rams, 49ers, or Packers? Those were the four options on which three and three team is more likely to make the Super Bowl from the NFC. The Buccaneers got 67% of the votes and the Rams got 33%. So for me, looking at these four teams right now who are all currently three and three, and all these three te- four teams I had in the playoffs, the Packers, 49ers, Bucks, and Rams, they were all four playoff teams when the season first started. I predicted that all four of these teams would make the playoffs. Let's start off with the Packers. The Packers at 3-3 three and three on the season. Offensively, they have been abysmal. Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, has been terrible so far this season. The offense for the Packers has been non-existent. They haven't been running the football with Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon enough. They have no elite skill position players whatsoever. The departure of Devontae Adams and its impact is showing in these first six games of the season. Offensively, the Packers have been an awful football team. They struggle to score points, and they don't lean on their strength. And the strength of the Packers' offense right now is Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And for whatever reason, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, 
They want Rodgers to drop back to pass over 40 times per game. That is not the proper recipe for the Green Bay Packers to win football games. You need to lean on your rushing attack with Aaron Jones and with A.J. Dillon. Run the football, set up the pass through the running game. And this is something that I want to address when it comes to the Packers and their struggles so far this season. And I want to explain this in depth so everybody can understand exactly why the Packers are struggling and why Aaron Rodgers so far is struggling this year. Because you look at Aaron Rodgers this year and his numbers. He has nine touchdowns, three interceptions, 1,403 passing yards. He's completing 67% of his passes. But Aaron Rodgers has not played at an MVP level in the first six games of the season. But the main reason why Aaron Rodgers hasn't played at an MVP level is because, number one, he doesn't have the proper skill position players. The number one receiver right now on the Green Bay Packers is Alan Lazard. That tells you everything you need to know about why the Green Bay Packers offense has been terrible in the first six games of the season. Alan Lazard, at best, is a number two receiver. He's never been viewed as a number one receiver in the NFL. You look at all the elite teams. If you put Alan Lazard on the Chiefs, Rams, Buccaneers, Bengals, Bills, Alan Lazard would struggle to be a number two receiver on those teams. He would struggle to be a number two. And on the Packers, he's a number one receiver on the depth chart? That's the number one reason why the Packers' offense has been ineffective and they've been a terrible offensive football team in the first six games of the season. Their skill position players are terrible. They've been depending on Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb is past his prime. I love Randall Cobb. And Randall Cobb in his prime had a great connection with Aaron Rodgers. But Randall Cobb is past his prime. His best days are behind him. And he just went down with an ankle injury. Amari Rodgers, he's irrelevant in the offense. Christian Watson can't stay on the field. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury. And Romeo Dobbs is young. He's learning. So that's the number one reason why Aaron Rodgers is struggling. Number two, Aaron Rodgers, his inability to make plays on the run is also a part of the reason why the Packers offense is struggling. In years prior, under Mike McCarthy, when he was still the head coach in Green Bay, one of the reasons why Mike McCarthy got fired was because they said there was no creativity offensively for the Packers, and it was pretty much allowing Aaron Rodgers to run the offense and make something out of nothing and make plays scrambling on the run and make accurate throws down the field. And in that offense, receivers like James Jones, Devontae Adams when he was young, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Greg Jennings, those receivers, they were able to win their one-on-one matchups. So 
even if the protection broke down for the Packers offense and Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers could get outside the pocket and make plays on the run and make throws on the run as well so the Packers offense could still move the ball at a high level. So Aaron Rodgers, his ability to be mobile helped the Packers offense under Mike McCarthy. But the issue is Aaron Rodgers is now 38. He's no longer 31. So he can't make the plays as a mobile quarterback now compared to what he once did. And that's why the Packers offense is struggling as well. Because if Aaron Rodgers was still mobile, even though the receivers that he currently has struggle to create separation, he could get out on the edges and possibly find open receivers down the field. Now he has to stand in the pocket and be a stationary target to throw the ball down the field. Now Aaron Rodgers can still deliver the football accurately down the field better than anyone in the NFL. There's maybe Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady are the only two other quarterbacks who could accurately throw the football down the field like Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers can sit in the pocket and carve up opposing defenses. But the receivers that he's playing with right now, they cannot create separation. And that's why Aaron Rodgers is struggling. Last week against the Jets, Robert Tunney had 10 total targets. He led the team in receptions last week. And that tells you everything you need to know about why the Packers offense is struggling. So that's my Aaron Rodgers assessment and why the Packers offense is struggling overall. In order for the Packers offense to be effective, the offensive line has to protect Aaron Rodgers. Josh Myers, John Runyon, Royce Newman, he was terrible last week against the Jets. David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, they got to do a better job of protecting Aaron Rodgers so Aaron Rodgers can have some time to throw the football down the field and have one of these receivers finally get open. But again, this starts with the running game. Once you can run the football effectively with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, then those safeties start to creep up. And then maybe Alan Lazard, Amari Rogers, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, maybe they can win in one-on-one situations and Aaron Rodgers can get them the ball. But so the Packers are, overall, they have underachieved in the first six games of the season. Let's go to the Buccaneers. The main reason why the Buccaneers are struggling is because Tom Brady is dealing with a lot of off-the-field issues. On the season, Tom Brady got eight touchdowns, one interception. He got 1,652 passing yards. He's completed 67% of his passes. But that loss last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, that loss told me that right now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their football team, is not on the same page overall. Like, their team is not on the same page together as one. We saw Friday night Tom Brady was in New York celebrating with Robert Kraft, who got married. So he missed the walkthrough 
Saturday in Pittsburgh. And so on Sunday, I know there were players on that Buccaneers team when Tom Brady was yelling and screaming on the sideline because he was frustrated when they were losing. I know there were players on the sideline that were thinking, bro, you weren't even here on Friday. You were in New York at Robert Kraft's wedding. You haven't been committed so far this season. Now, we know Tom Brady loves the game of football. He reiterated today in his press conference, he has no plans on retiring anytime soon. So we know how much Tom Brady loves football. But he has a lot of off-the-field issues going on right now. And he's bringing his off-the-field issues on the field. And the Buccaneers, overall, they haven't been a very good football team in the first six games of the season. And that loss to the Steelers told me everything I needed to know. They came into that game. They were favored by 10 points in that game. They allowed Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky to beat them. And I talked about how elite that defense was. They gave up a third and 16 to Mitchell Trubisky at a key moment in that game Sunday. So that Buccaneers defense, they haven't played well either. You give up 20 points to the Steelers. That's the same Steelers team that got blown out by 35 to the Buffalo Bills in week five. That's that same Pittsburgh Steelers team. And then the Bucs defense, they gave up 41 to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, remember in week five, they beat the Atlanta Falcons. But that was the game where the defensive lineman, I think his name is Jarrett, he sacked Tom Brady, and if the Falcons get the ball back, maybe Marcus Mariota makes something happen, and the Falcons pull off the upset and beat the Buccaneers in week five. But the Buccaneers end up winning that game. They lost to the Packers in week three. Against the Saints in week two, they beat the Saints, but the Saints, they've been struggling this year, so that win doesn't mean very much. And then in week one, they beat the Cowboys 19-3. to So the Buccaneers haven't been impressive this year so far. They got talent. I've said since the beginning of the season, the Buccaneers have a loaded football team. Offensively, they got Tom Brady. At running back, you got Leonard Fournette. At receiver, you got Mike Evans. You got Chris Godwin. At tight end, you got Cameron Brake. He got injured last week. But Cameron Brake is a nice tight end to have in your offense. Defensively, they got Devin White. They got Levante David at linebacker. They got Shaq Barrett as a pass rusher as well. And their secondary, they got Jamel Dean, Antoine Whitfield. So they got the personnel to be a complete football team. So for them to be 3-3 three and three in the first six games of the season is disappointing as well. Let's go to the L.A. Rams. The L.A. Rams have no running game whatsoever. They are a one-dimensional football team. And even in the passing game, they only rely on Cooper Cup. I don't understand why Sean McVay and the LA Rams organization, why did they go and sign Allen Robinson in free agency? Because Allen Robinson, so far since he's been in LA, he hasn't done much. 
He got for it so far since he's been in LA. Allen Robinson, 17 receptions, 170 receiving yards, two touchdowns. Allen Robinson is a bona fide number two receiver in this Rams offense alongside Cooper Cup. But they depend on Cooper Cup way too much for my liking. You got Tyler Higby at tight end. In their backfield, they got Cam Akers, who they're reportedly looking to trade. They got Daryl Henderson as well. But their, their rushing attack is awful, the Rams. I mean, they have no running game to speak of whatsoever. They're on their bye this week, a much-needed bye for them. But their, their rushing attack is the one of the worst in the NFL. And defensively, Aaron Donald, I still think Aaron Donald is a top-five defensive player in the NFL. But I don't think Jalen Ramsey is still a top-three cornerback in the NFL. I saw last year in a Super Bowl, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, they both were cooking Jalen Ramsey. So I don't know about the Rams right now. I don't know if the Rams are a playoff team. Now let's look at the 49ers. The 49ers, they lost Trey Lance. Trey Lance was their quarterback coming into the season. They lost Trey Lance in week two. And Jimmy Garoppolo has been the quarterback ever since. And so far on the season, Jimmy G got 1,153 passing yards, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. And I think that right now, the 49ers are dealing with a lot of injuries. Defensively, they're banged up. They got a lot of injuries. Last week against the Falcons, the Falcons got up to 14-0 on the 49ers. Scores 14 unanswered points to start the game. The 49ers, they came back, tied the game up at 14 apiece, and then the Falcons scored 14 unanswered points again, and they won the game 28-14. That was a disappointing loss for Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. But I expect the 49ers to get better as the season goes along. I love the 49ers defense. I think they got one of the best defenses in the NFL. You got Fred Warner at linebacker. You got Nick Bosa as a pass rusher. You got Arik Armstead as well up front. They did lose Emmanuel Mosley, the defensive back. He's out for the season. But overall, I believe that they are a good defensive team. They are led by D'Amico Ryans. He's the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. If he continues to have this 49ers defense playing at a high level, he should get selected for a coaching job, possibly in the future. But those are the four teams right now in the NFC that are all three and three. And out of all those four teams, which team is more likely to make the Super Bowl from the NFC? I got to say it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I believe it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they got Tom Brady and they have elite weapons all over the field for Tom Brady. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, that trio at receiver is one of the best in the NFL. And I love their defense. I think the Buccaneers' defense is a top 10 defense in the NFL. So when you ask me, of these three and three teams in the NFC, Packers, 49ers, Buccaneers, Rams, which team is more likely to make the Super Bowl? I'm going to say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I hope I'm wrong about that. I hope it's the Packers. But right now, all bias aside, it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
coming out the break, I'm going to preview the Super Bowl 54 rematch between the Chiefs and the 49ers on the show. I'll be right back. It, it, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Tracy Blockins, Chris Mitchell. Uh, Tracy Blockins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise guy. These guys know sports. Wise guy. Tracy Blockins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. These guys know sports. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Remember, call them to the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. If you want to talk about your team in the NFL, want to talk some NBA, the NBA season has officially started. We got Giannis tonight in Philadelphia taking on Joel and B and James Harden. Give a live update on that game. We got the Bucks leading the Sixers. 47-45 at the half. In the NFL game, Saints are leading the Cardinals 7-3. to 435 left in the first quarter of that game. The Saints are in Arizona territory for the infield goal range. So let's transition to the matchup Sunday afternoon in San Francisco. It is a Super Bowl 54 rematch between the four and two Kansas City Chiefs and the three and three San Francisco 49ers excited for this matchup it's a 425 kickoff on Fox the over under for this game is 48.5 and this is going to start my NFL week six wise picks so when I look at this matchup obviously the Kansas City Chiefs they are one of the best offenses in the NFL, led by Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, for the season, he got 17 touchdowns, four interceptions, 1,736 passing yards for the season. Patrick Mahomes is still a top three quarterback in the NFL. Before the game against the Bills, Patrick Mahomes was my leading candidate for NFL MVP. But after Josh Allen put on the performance that he put on last week in the Bills-Chiefs game, I thought Allen outperformed Mahomes. So I said that Allen leapfrogged Mahomes in the MVP conversation. So I think right now Mahomes is second. But he's still top three in the NFL MVP conversation. And he is the leader of this Chiefs offense overall. The Chiefs offensively. They still got Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL. They got Juju Smith-Schuster. Last week's Juju Smith-Schuster had his best game of his young Chiefs career. He had like five receptions for 113 receiving yards, one touchdown. So he had his best game so far of the season. In their backfield, they got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So I like the Chiefs offense. They're top five in a lot of major offensive categories. They average 396 total yards per game. That's ranked fifth in the NFL. 
They averaged 276 yards passing per game. That's ranked fourth in the NFL. They averaged 30 points per game. That's ranked first in the NFL. And they convert on 50% of their third down. That's ranked second in the NFL. They have Andy Reid as their play caller. Eric Bellamy as well. So they they this Chiefs offense is a high-powered offense, even without Tyreek Hill. Now, there's been reports about how it's a possibility the Chiefs may get Odell Beckham. And you know, as a Packers fan, I'm not too happy about it because when are my Packers going to finally get a free agent? When is it going to happen? Deshaun Jackson just signed with the Baltimore Ravens. Last year, Odell signed with the L.A. Rams. And Odell's not even going to be 100% when he returns back to the field in December. Can the Packers at least get Odell? They were talking about earlier how Travis Kelsey said he restructured his contract so they could possibly get Odell Beckham. It's unbelievable. But Chiefs offense is elite. Now, again, defensively, for the San Francisco 49ers, they are led by D'Amico Ryans. That's their defensive coordinator. And they have a lot of players injured right now on defense, but they're still top 10 in every major defensive category. The 49ers defense, they give up 281 yards per game. That's ranked first in the NFL. They only give up 168 passing yards. That's ranked second in the NFL. They give up 88 rush yards per game. That's ranked second in the NFL. And they only give up 15 points per game. That's ranked second in the NFL. So they are top 10 in every major statistical category. Every major statistical category are top 10. I love the matchup that we're going to see with Travis Kelsey going up against those 49ers linebackers. That's what I'm excited about the most. I get to see Fred Warner versus Travis Kelsey. I can't wait for it. It's going to be exciting because I, I, I think that's going to be the matchup. When I look at the Chiefs offense versus the 49ers defense, it's Travis Kelsey versus Fred Warner. I'm looking forward to that matchup. I want to see also in this game if the 49ers defense can get after Patrick Mahomes. Last week in the loss to the Bills, I thought that Von Miller had the biggest impact on the outcome of the game because there were a few times where Von Miller applied pressure on Mahomes, and that's how we saw Mahomes throw the two interceptions. So if that 49ers front four can get after Patrick Mahomes, I think that would be a recipe for success for the 49ers. Defensively, they got Arik Armstead. He's questionable for this game. His availability is going to be key because Armstead is a great tackle on the defensive side of the ball. Nick Bosa, he's questionable for this game. So if you can get back Nick Bosa and Armstead to apply pressure on Patrick Mahomes and make him uncomfortable, I think that could help the 49ers defense in this game. Now, you look at their linebackers. Again, I love Fred Warner, but you got Dre Greenlaw as well. You got Demetrius Flanagan Fallows as well at linebacker. But remember, they made a move in free agency. They brought in Tardavius Ward in their secondary. They did lose Emmanuel Mosley, again, to a season-ending injury. But they got 
Ward. They got Jimmy Ward as well in their defensive backfield. So I'm looking forward to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid versus D'Amico Ryans and this 49ers defense. That is going to be the matchup of NFL Week 7. That's what I'm looking forward to the most. And then it's crazy because in the Super Bowl, that 49ers defense, they did a great job in the first three quarters against that Chiefs offense. Now, that Chiefs offense had Tyreek Hill, of course, but the Chiefs, they only had 10 points in the first three quarters of the Super Bowl. The 49ers, they were beating the Chiefs 20 to 10, heading into the fourth quarter of that Super Bowl. And if it wasn't for Jimmy Garoppolo and his inability to make key throws late, the 49ers would have beaten the Chiefs in the Super Bowl a few years ago. Just to go over that game real quick, give you a couple stats. Jimmy Garoppolo went 20 of 31. He had 219 passing yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. He had a quarterback rating of 69.2. For the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, he went 26 of 42. He had 286 passing yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He had a quarterback rating of 78.1. In that game, surprisingly, the Chiefs had a great rushing attack with Damian Williams. Williams, for that on, in that game, he had 17 carries. 104 rushing yards, one touchdown. He averaged over six yards per carry. So he had a great game in the Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey had six receptions, 43 receiving yards, one touchdown. And Tyreek Hill had nine receptions, 105 receiving yards for the Chiefs. So, like I said, it's going to be a great matchup. You look at the 49ers offense versus the Chiefs defense. I don't believe in that Chiefs defense. I, I believe that Chiefs defense is one of the worst defenses in the NFL. They're bottom half in all major categories defensively. They give up 377 total yards per game. That's ranked 24th in the NFL. They give up 266 passing yards per game. That's ranked 27th in the NFL. They're good against the run. They only give up 91 rushing yards per game. That's ranked 4th. So that's pretty impressive. But they give up 25 points per game. That's ranked 25th in the NFL. And teams are able to convert on 38% of their third downs against that Chiefs defense. That's tied for 13th in the NFL. They're led by defensive coordinator Steve Spagnola. As elite as the Chiefs offense is, whatever contributions that you get from the Chiefs defense is a bonus. Chris Jones is their best defensive player. If he can apply some pressure on Jimmy G up the middle, then that can help this Chiefs defense overall. But as great as the Chiefs offense is, again, their defense, if they can create one turnover a game or two turnovers, that's an added bonus. That's another possession for Patrick Mahomes to put up points. Looking forward to this game. I want to see how this Niners offense does as well running the football. The 49ers, they have the 12th best rushing attack in the NFL. They average 124 rushing yards per game. So if they can run the football, that's going to help them and their chances at being able to win this game. 
I thought last week against the Falcons, they were down 14 to start the game. They had to put the ball in the hands of Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy G brought them back after they were down 14-0, but they then gave up 14 straight points again. And Jimmy G wasn't able to bring them back in that game. But I think the running game for the 49ers is going to be key. In week five, Jeff Wilson, the running back for the 49ers, he had 17 carries, 120 rushing yards, averaged over seven yards per carry. So they got Tevin Coleman, they got Jeff Wilson in their backfield, and they don't have a dynamic running back like the Titans got with Derrick Henry, like the Packers got with Aaron Jones or the Bengals got with Joe Mixon. But they got running back by committee, and they run the football at a high level. This this 49ers offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. They're going to get back Trent Williams at some point this season. And he's going to help this offensive line and open up running games for the running backs and for this rushing attack to thrive at a high level. So we know Kyle Shanahan is one of the best play callers in the NFL. But Andy Reid is a great play caller as well. So this is going to be a great matchup. Super Bowl 54 rematch in the Bay, 425 kickoff at Levi Stadium. It's going to be a good game. But I'm going to roll with the 49ers beating the Chiefs in San Francisco. I'm going 49ers, 24, Chiefs, 21. I think the 49ers beat the Chiefs by a field goal. And I guess you could call this the upset, but I think both of these football teams are playoff teams, and they are both Super Bowl contenders in their respective conferences. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H, also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Make sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to go over my NFL Week 7 Wise Picks. I'll be right back. It, it, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Tracy Blockins, Chris Mitchell. Tracy Blockins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise guy. These guys know sports. Wise guy. Tracy Blockins, Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. These guys know sports. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Remember, call them to the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. Call to the show if you want to debate some NFL or some NBA. Let me know, you know, what you think about my prediction. I got the 49ers beating the Chiefs at Levi Stadium. So I got the, I got the 49ers pulling off the upset. Not how, how how much of an upset it is, but I got the 49ers pulling off the upset over the Chiefs. And then, like I said, 
also too this weekend is a great sports weekend we got the mlb playoffs in the al we got the yankees and the astros in the nl we got the phillies and the padres so we got some great baseball to look forward to to watch over the weekend also in college football we got the bearcats playing smu saturday iowa is playing ohio state in columbus on saturday as well so we got some nice matchups in college football this weekend. And in NFL week seven, some some big time games. Chiefs at 49ers. Falcons at Bengals is a very underrated game. I think it's going to be more interesting than what Bengal fans think it's going to be. Which leads me to what I'm going to be talking about next. It is that time of the week ladies and gentlemen it is my wise or lies segment of the day and one of the topics i want to talk about is the lakers and my expectations for the lakers this season the lakers they lost to the golden state warriors thursday night the warriors they beat the lakers 123 to 109 so is it wise or lies to say that the Lakers will be a top five seed in the Western Conference. That is a lie because I don't believe that the Lakers, as currently constructed, are a top five seed in the Western Conference. Like, I don't think that Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Russell Wilson fit together. I think LeBron and AD fit well. They obviously won a championship in the bubble. But Russ doesn't fit with LeBron James on the floor. He doesn't fit with LeBron James on the floor. They're two ball-dominant players, and I don't like Russ with LeBron on the floor. I think in order for this Lakers team to be successful, if you're going to have Russ on the team, Russ should come off the bench. He should come off the bench and run the second unit. But also it's going to be important for Russ, LeBron, and AD to be on the floor together. Because best ability is availability. This was last year when Russ, Anthony Davis, and LeBron all played. The Lakers were 11-10. and 10. They won 52% of their games. When two of the three played, they were 20-33. and 33, So they won 38% of their games. When one of the three played, they were 0-5. So they didn't win a single game when one of the three played. And when none of them played, they were 2-1. and one. They won 60 7% of their games when none of them played. So it's going to be important for Anthony Davis, especially him, to be on the floor for the Lakers to have a successful season. If they want to have any chance at having a successful season, they need Anthony Davis to play elite basketball and prove why he is still a top 10 player. So AD got a ball out this year. He got a ball out. I like how he was aggressive in the matchup against the Warriors the other night. But AD is going to be key for the Lakers. Also, one of my wiser last questions was the Brooklyn Nets. The New Orleans Pelicans beat the Brooklyn Nets last night, 130 to 108. For the Pelicans, Williamson, he had 25 points, 11 of 22 from the floor, nine rebounds for the Nets. Kevin Durant had 32 points. So is it wiser last to say that the Brooklyn Nets are championship contenders? I believe that is wise, but last night, that was a Terrible performance by the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets were awful last night. I, I, I don't know what the hell 
happened to the Brooklyn Nets, but they were terrible. I, I thought from start to finish, the New Orleans Pelicans outplayed the Brooklyn Nets in this game. And the New Orleans Pelicans, they are sleepers in the Western Conference. Look out for those New Orleans Pelicans, ladies and gentlemen, because they got Zion Williamson, C.J. McCollum, and Brandon Ingram, three players who can all go and get you 25 points apiece. I love that trio of Williamson, McCollum, and Ingram all on the floor together. I think that's arguably the best trio in the NBA. So look out for the New Orleans Pelicans. They are sleepers in the Western Conference. If they play to their max potential, they could possibly get to the Western Conference Finals. I'm saying it right now. Now, my Western Conference pick was the Clippers and the Warriors. But you never know. The Pelicans, if Williamson is healthy, they are a problem in the Western Conference. My man Marquette on here. That's my brother, man. Call in, Marquette. I got a couple minutes for you. Can't be long, but I got a couple, a few minutes. 513-203-8655. But last night, the Nets were awful. They were awful last night. I mean, I, 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 like I, it was hard to watch the Nets last night in that game. It, it really was. So, I mean, Kevin Durant was the only player that showed up last night. Kyrie Irving, he was terrible. He, he had a terrible shooting percentage last night. That's not going to happen much, but he was awful last night. And Ben Simmons, he was, he was a no-show. He was a complete no-show last night for the Brooklyn Nets. So they didn't have any energy. They played lethargic all night long. Defensively, they were awful. They got in that in the game last night. This this game, this stat right here tells you everything you need to know about the game last night between the Pelicans and the Nets. The Pelicans outscored the Nets 36 to 4 on second chance points. Tells you everything you need to know. 36 to 4? That's effort. Like this is a team that's playing like they want to get. Steve Nash fired. That's what that looked like. We heard reports in the offseason about how they wanted to get Nash fired. And we see in the first game of the season why Steve Nash's name was brought up in the offseason as a head coach who could potentially lose his job. We see now why that's the case. So, like I said, I think the Nets are championship contenders. But. They got to get better defensively, and Ben Simmons has to get into a rhythm and give you something offensively, something. He's, he hasn't done much at all since he's been in Brooklyn in, in his first game. He was terrible last night, so he has to do better. Like I said, Kevin Durant was the only player that actually showed up for the Brooklyn Nets. Call to the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. I want to welcome to the show my man from the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast. It is Marquette Sutton. What's up, Marquette? What's going on, Trey? How you doing, man? Pretty good, man. How you doing tonight? I am doing wonderful, wonderful, especially after hearing that prediction, you know, of my night is going to achieve, man. You just made my night. Oh, yeah, 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 man. I want, so let's talk about that. This is Super Bowl 54 rematch, you know, oh. in that game. I know that I know that broke your heart that night, Marquette. But that night, the, the Chiefs beat your 49ers in the Super Bowl. 
it was 31-20. And in that matchup, you remember the 49ers, they were beating the Chiefs 20-10 going into the fourth quarter. Oh, man, PTSD. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. So so what's your expectations for Sunday, Marquette? I mean, your, your 49ers, they fresh off a loss against the Falcons. Remember in that game against the Falcons last week, they were, they were down 14-0 early, and then they scored 14 unanswered points, and then they gave up 14 straight unanswered points and lost 28-14. to So what's your expectations for this game against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? So this expectation uh, for this game against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, I really have high expectations because the 49ers, what we do well is play very well against great teams. Um, also, you know, we had three line, D linemen that weren't there, you know, Ken Law, um, you know, uh, Bosa, and then our heart. And so, um, you know, Eric. So I'm just hoping that we can, you know, contain Mahomes. And again, he doesn't have, you know, Hill to go over the top with. I mean, he had Jared McKinnon, but I think that we can contain them if we are disciplined. Um, Kyle Shanahan, you know, if you hear me, we're going to have to run the ball. Keep running the ball, keep running the ball. I think that if we run the ball, then we can definitely wear their defense out and we can, you know, hit something over the top. You know, especially Ayuk has been playing well and Debo as well, too. So we definitely got to, you know, stick with our game plan and run in, pound the rock, and wearing down our defense so we can get some big plays, you know, out in the, in the open. Yeah, for sure, man, because I think that's going to be the key for the 49ers to have a chance. I think you've got to establish the running game with Jeff Wilson and Tevin Coleman and, you know, allow Jimmy Garoppolo to, you know, play off of the running game and then in the passing game get Debo Samuel and Ayuk the ball and, and George Kittle. Because I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing George Kittle in this matchup, Marquette, because for the last two years, three years, for me, I've compared George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. Now, Travis Kelsey, obviously playing with Patrick Mahomes, you know, he gets the ball a lot in that Chiefs offense. They went to four consecutive AFC championship games. I think sometimes, Marquette, people forget how great George Kittle is. I don't think 49ers fans forget, but I think a lot of NFL fans, they forget how great George Kittle is. So what kind of impact do you think George Kittle could have in a game of this magnitude? Um, I think George Kittle can have – definitely a great, great impact if we continue, like we talked about, to run the ball. I think that he would definitely be needed, you know, when you're talking about, you know, getting, you know, breaking through the zone. You know, when you're definitely talking about running those screens that Kyle likes to run with him. Um, and especially when you're talking about, you know, uh, blocking on the end, stealing off that DN and helping, you know, our, you know, like you said, Wilson and, you know, Tevin Coleman get to where they need to get. You know, him, he, he has been used as kind of a decoy. That's why you look at IU. That's why he should have been so productive and even even depot because, again, you know, Kittle is one of those players where he's going to do whatever he needs to do for his team, and that's what he's been doing. But I think that Sunday you're going to see him get more involved and you're going to see him being able to make those blocks that's needed and be used as decoy so we can get to the run. Now, one more question for you, Mark, before, before you hop off. So mm -hmm. this was the question of the day for tonight's show, and I'll get your opinion on it. So we got three – well, four, four. Four three-and-three three teams right now in the NFC. Uh -huh. We got the Packers, your 49ers, the Buccaneers, and the defending Super Bowl champion L.A. Rams. Mm -hmm. And the question of the day was which of those four three-and-three three teams in the NFC 
is the more likely team that could make the Super Bowl. I said it's the Buccaneers. What is your what is your selection? I mean, again, you can't, you know, doubt the Rams. I mean, they're still defending champs. I mean, they don't have Von Miller, but again, they still have the team. They still have that cohesion. So that's a team that I would definitely say that can definitely make the Super Bowl because they still have the same team. It's still early, you know, and they play in a very tough division. So, you know, with the 49ers, so I think that the Rams probably had the best shot to making it to the Super Bowl if they're healthy. I think that, again, if you look at, you know, um, what what they have been orchestrating and what, and what McVay has been doing, they still haven't been using all of their receivers. You know, they still yeah. have to come back. So, I think that with that team, what they have now, even though they're three and three, I think that they find a way to, um, you know, make a make a playoff run. But as a 49ers fan, I don't want that. I don't want to see that happen. But since I'm on your show, I'm going to be a realist and say the the team that's like that's most likely out of those teams is probably going to be the Rams. Wow, I 100 percent disagree with you, Marquette. I don't believe okay. in the Rams right now, bro. Because I look at the Rams; they're a one dimensional football team. They, they uh-huh. literally have no running game to speak of whatsoever. They only rely on Cooper Cup in the passing game. I'm still trying to want figure out why they even brought in Allen Robinson. I, I I don't understand why they signed Allen Robinson in free agency because they only look for Cooper Cup in passing situations. And I know how great Cooper Cup is. He's a top five receiver in the NFL. But you've got to expand your offense and get these other receivers the football because you start to become predictable. You know, and and I and that's my biggest issue right now with the Rams. They're one dimensional, like I said. I think Cam Akers, it's a possibility he may be on his way out of L.A. I'm disappointed in Cam Akers because I had him on my fantasy team. He ain't done much for me this year. I don't really believe in the Rams right now. Maybe something could change as the season goes along. You know how disgusted I am right now with my Packers. Man, like I, I'm so upset with the Packers right now. But um, the Buccaneers was my choice. I said that the Buccaneers with Tom Brady and the weapons that they have offensively, with Mike Evans, with Chris Godwin, with Julio Jones, and then in the backfield, you got Leonard Fournette. Uh, That was my selection to be the team of those four teams that could go on a Super Bowl run. I mean, you know, those teams, again, when you look at the teams from top to bottom, you got to think about the Packers. I mean, what they're doing, they are all over the place. You already know that. You know, when you look at the 49ers, again, they're one of, again, I love my team, but they're one of the teams. How healthy can they stay? Healthy? I mean, come on, people put them in the Super Bowl contention. Then you look at the Buccaneers. Julio Jones is not staying healthy. You know, you have, you know, Godwin, got to hope he's healthy. Mike Evans, you know, I, I think he's one of the top receivers in the league. But, again, how healthy can he be? This team is all over the place. They're, they have not been gelling right. Yeah. So, when you're looking at the teams that can do something, it's still the Rams. They still have the same team minus Von Miller. And, you know, minus Odell is that being said, they're going to find a way to get Robinson. They're going to find a way to make sure that the other receivers get to where they need to be. One thing about McVay, man, he knows how to draw up some offense. He knows how to do that. So I think that, you know, once they, you know, take that bye week, come back, see what's needed, I think that you'll see a different team um, when it when it comes to that Rams team. It won't be my Niners, but they will be a scary team in the uh, NFC. Yeah, they actually got a bye week this week, the Rams do. They, they are much needed bye. So they, yes, they, they got about this week. But, see, this is another thing, Marquette, before I let you go. You know, right now the Eagles are 6-0, and and they are the number one team right now, not uh-huh. only in, in the NFC, but in the NFL overall. Yep. And everyone's talking about Jalen Hurts. He's an MVP candidate. Nick Sirianni's done a great job as head coach. 
for me though, Marquette, these four teams, that's three and three that we're talking about, like the Niners, Packers, Rams, Bucks, these four teams, I'm not going to give up on yet. Like I know everybody counting at my Packers already. Listen, this is the Packers, we're winning organization. We've been to back-to-back NFC championship games, you know, over the last few years. Been we've over the last three years, they 39 and 10 in the regular season. So I I believe that one of these four teams for sure could possibly knock off the Eagles in the playoffs. I'm not going to count out the Packers, Rams, Niners, or the Bucks. Everybody talking about the Eagles, though, Marquette. But I ain't counting out none of these four teams, even though they three and three. Like I'm not counting them out. No, I I, I definitely agree with you. Here's why: the 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 toughest game on the Eagles schedule is probably the Green Bay Packers. Again, because of Aaron Rodgers. Yep. And then you talk about the you know the Giants. You know you talk about Cowboys. I mean, again, where are those teams going to be when the second half of the season transition? So looking at their schedule, one, two, three, four. They got four wins coming up on paper. And then the season gets a little shaky. Now, again, as you know, you get fat and you get low to sleep. Now you go into the playoffs where everybody is, you know, undefeated and, you know, everybody has no losses. Yeah. So what are you going to do against a 49er healthy defense, right? Yeah. That record don't matter. What are you going to do against a Tampa Bay team that's saying, hey, listen, it don't matter the record. Those teams, those three teams, and again, even the Packers, what, you know, who knows? But like you're saying, the Eagles are going to have a nice looking regular season record. Yeah. But, but we know that does not always equate to winning games, especially the, the teams that they got to play here. My goodness, this this is yeah. huh, it's kind of a cakewalk. Yeah, man. I, I, I'm telling you right now, in January in a playoff game, even at like Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia, I would not bet against Tom Brady, Matthew mm-hmm. Stafford, or Aaron Rodgers. Definitely yep. ain't bet. I definitely ain't betting against Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers in a playoff game in Philadelphia. Even mm-hmm. though the Eagles team may be more complete than the Packers or the Buccaneers, I ain't betting against a Rod or Tom Brady. I don't think you would either. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't. can't. Jalen Hurt hasn't faced no competition. Jalen Hurt hasn't faced playoff pressure. It's the difference when you're playing a good season, and you know we know it. And you know you, I you know hearing you talk about it with Aaron Rodgers all the time. During regular season, that's cute. But when you got the pressure on you, what does that look like? Yeah. How does it feel? Because now that ball is a little heavier. It's a little colder. Those receivers get a little shorter. So, you know, this is going to be very interesting to see what the Eagles do with this. I mean, I'm rooting for Jalen Hurt. I like him. I think that he didn't get a fair shake coming into the league. So I definitely want to see him succeed. But, again, when you have this type of, uh, you know, matchups that you have coming up, you know, you're not playing no big teams that can prepare you for the playoffs. unless the Cowboys and the Giants find a way to continue their success. But even then, it's like, do we really trust these teams that they'll be playing against? So. Right, for sure, Marquette. Let everybody know where they can find you, bro. So you can find me on you know Facebook, Marquette Sutton. You can also find me on YouTube. You can find me on Facebook as well, again, on the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast. That's who I'll be, me, Chris G, and the Rucker Report. And I want to thank you, Trey. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. He's Marquez Sutton on the Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast. That's my brother. Hey, man, I definitely appreciate you calling in, man. I'm going to have you call in again next week so we can get a little bit more in depth and talk a little longer, bro, and talk some NBA. Okay, yes, let's do that. Let's do that. Take care, man. All right, have a good one. He said the same thing I'm saying about the Eagles and their chances in the postseason.
Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. I'm sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Marquette from Don't Shoot the Messenger Podcast. That's my that's my 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 brother, a fan of the Wise Guys show. And he, he called in, gave his 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 opinion on the Philadelphia Eagles and their expe- his expectations for them. So we'll see what happens. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter and be sure to tune in. In the next segment, I'm going to do my NFL Week 7 Wise Picks. I'll be right back. It, it, it is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Wise Guys. Tracy Blockins. Chris Mitchell. Tracy Blockins. Chris Mitchell. These guys know sports. Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Wise Guys. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. They're live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And call to the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. If you want to talk about a certain topic in the NFL or in the NBA or talk some MLB playoffs in the NL, we got the Padres and the Phillies facing off against each other for the chance to go to the World Series. In the AL, we got the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees. So two Big-time teams in the AL and two powerhouse teams in the NL trying to punch their ticket to the World Series. And then we got some NBA right now going on in Philly as the Bucks lead the Sixers 80-73, to 8.25 left in the fourth quarter. So if Embiid and Harden don't get it together, they're going to drop their first two games of the season. Live update on the Saints-Cardinals game in Arizona. The Saints lead the Cardinals 14 to 6. A little over three minutes left in the second quarter of that game. The Cardinals are in the red zone, so they're looking to punch it in and try to get within a point or even tie this game up with a possible two point conversion. So let's transition to my NFL week seven wise picks. It is that time of the week last week in week six i went eight and five thank god for the philadelphia eagles and la chargers because it was looking rough before sunday night football last week in my wise picks but i finished eight five so i'll take it let's start off in this week seven with the indianapolis Colts traveling to tennessee to take on ryan Tannehill and the tennessee titans the Titans are favored by two and a half points. It's a one o'clock kickoff in Tennessee. The over-under for this game is 42 points. The Colts beat the Texans. I'm sorry, the Jaguars. The Colts beat the Jaguars last week in Indianapolis, 34-27. And so I believe the Colts are a more complete football team than the Titans are. I picked the Colts to win the AFC South at the beginning of the season. 
and I'm not going to hop off that bandwagon yet. I'm rolling with the Colts to beat the Titans in the AFC South battle. I'll go Colts 20, Titans 17. Moving on to the Giants at Jaguars. The Jaguars are favored by three points. It's a one o'clock kickoff in Jacksonville. The over-under for this game is 41 and a half. Two teams who are trying to solidify themselves as being contenders in their respective conferences. Daniel Jones versus Trevor Lawrence. The Giants have had an impressive season. They've been impressive to start the season. They are 5-1 and one to start the season. And I like the type of football that the Giants play. They run the football with Saquon Barkley. They play tremendous defense. Last week against Lamar Jackson, in key moments, that Giants defense made plays against Lamar Jackson. They forced Lamar Jackson into two turnovers in the fourth quarter, and they won the game 24-20 to in New York. I've been impressed with the Giants in the first six games of the season. The Jaguars. The Jaguars for the season, they're 2-4. and four, But I like the way the Jaguars have played in certain games this year. Remember earlier in the season, they blew out Justin Herbert and the L.A. Chargers. They lost against Jalen Hurts in the Philadelphia Eagles. But at one point, they were up 14 in that game, and they have a great head coach in Doug Peterson. I don't believe Doug Peterson should have been fired in Philadelphia. And I think he's a great coach who can teach Trevor Lawrence how to be an elite quarterback in the NFL. So I'm going to roll with the Jaguars to upset the Giants in Jacksonville. I roll them with Trevor Lawrence, 27. Daniel Jones, 20. Well, actually, this ain't even an upset because Vegas got the Jags favored by three points. I don't understand why the Jags are favored when the Giants have been a better football team than the Jags have been. But I'm going to roll with the Jaguars to beat the Giants. I got Jaguars 27, Giants 20. Buccaneers favored by 10 and a half points. They are traveling to Carolina to take on the Carolina Panthers. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff. The over-under for this game is 40.5. The Buccaneers are coming off of a 20-18 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But the Carolina Panthers are one of the worst teams in the NFL. They just recently fired Matt Rule. I don't believe in their quarterbacks. None of them in that room. P.J. Walker, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. They're all garbage. So I'm going to roll with the Buccaneers to get back on the right track. And I think they're going to blow out the Panthers and cover the spread Sunday. I roll with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to beat the Panthers. I'll go Buccaneers 31, Panthers 10. Lions traveling to Dallas to take on Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys are favored by seven and a half points. It's a one o'clock kickoff in Dallas. The over-under for this game is 48 and a half. The Lions score a lot of points. They give up a lot of points, but they score a lot of points on offense. I like the way Jared Goff has played this season. But Dak Prescott is better than Jared Goff. And the Cowboys are a more complete football team than the Lions are. I expect the Dallas Cowboys to bounce back at home and beat 
the Detroit Lions. I'll go Cowboys, 23. Lions, 17. Browns traveling to Baltimore to take on Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are favored by six and a half points at home. It's a one o'clock kickoff in Baltimore. The over-under for this game is 45.5. The Browns got blew out last week by the New England Patriots and Bailey Zappi. Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback than Bailey Zappi is. So if the Browns got blew out by the Patriots last week, what do you think going to happen this week in week seven against the Ravens? I know it's the AFC North matchup. So these two teams are familiar with each other. But I think Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens take care of business at home against the Browns. I'm rolling with the Ravens to beat the Browns. I'm going Ravens 27, Browns 17. Jets, the most surprising team in the NFL. They are traveling to Denver to take on Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. The Broncos are favored by one and a half points. It's a 405 kickoff in Denver. The over-under for this game is 38.5. The Broncos offense has been terrible this year. Russell Wilson got paid in the offseason a new contract extension. $245 million for Russell Wilson. $165 million guaranteed. He ain't played like a top-tier quarterback. He hasn't earned this contract in the first six games of the season. So I think the Jets Yes, the New York Jets and Robert Sala beat Russell Wilson in Denver. I'm going Jets 24, Broncos 13. Jets are going to get their fifth win of the season, and they're going to prove to 5-2 and two on the season. Jets 24, Broncos 13. Texans. At Raiders, Raiders are fresh off a bye. The Raiders are favored by seven and a half points. It's a four or five kickoff in Las Vegas. The over-under for this matchup is 45 and a half. Darren Wilder for the Raiders, their tight end. He has already been ruled out in this game. The Raiders in their week five matchup against the Chiefs, they were impressive in that game. And I thought despite the loss, the Raiders played their best game of the season. Devontae Adams is going to play in this game. So I expect the Raiders to take care of business. I hope they don't mess up my wise picks for week seven. I'm rolling with the Raiders to beat the Texans at home in Las Vegas. I'll go Raiders 31, Texans 17. Seahawks at Chargers. The Chargers are favored by five and a half points. It's a 425 kickoff in LA. The over-under for this game. It's 51. I think the Chargers are a more complete football team than the Seahawks are. I like the way Pete Carroll has the Seahawks playing right now. I love Geno Smith and the way he's played so far this season. Geno Smith has played very well for the Seahawks. He's outperformed Russell Wilson in the first six games of the season. But it won't be enough in this matchup. I'm rolling with the Chargers to beat the Seahawks. At SoFi Stadium, I'll go Chargers 28, Seahawks 24. I think the Seahawks keep it close, but I think Justin Herbert and the Chargers are going to be too much for that Seahawks defense. 
the Sunday night football matchup in Miami. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to South Beach to take on Tua Tagovailoa and the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins are favored by seven points in this game. It's an 820 kickoff in Miami. The over-under for this game is 44.5. The Steelers beat the Buccaneers last week, but a dead clock is right twice a day. The Steelers are not a good football team. They got beat down in week four against the Buffalo Bills. They lost 38-3 to in that game. I believe that is the Pittsburgh Steelers that we know, not the team that beats the Buccaneers in week six. That was week five when the Bills blew out the Steelers. But I expect the Dolphins to take care of business against the Steelers at home with Tua back in the lineup. I'm rolling with the Dolphins to beat the Steelers. I'll go Dolphins 28, Steelers 10. Let's move on to the Monday night matchup. Justin Fields versus Bailey Zappi or Matt Jones. Not sure what his availability for this matchup is going to be. Bears at Patriots. The Patriots are favored by eight points, and I don't understand why. I, the Patriots are not a juggernaut. I don't understand why Vegas has them favored by so many points. They're favored by eight points. That's ridiculous. It's an 8-15 kickoff on ESPN. The over-under for this game is 40.0. I'm going to roll with the Bears to upset Bill Belichick and the Patriots in New England on Monday Night Football. I'm going to roll with the Bears to beat the Patriots. I'll go Bears. 21, Patriots, 18. Neither one of these two teams offensively are high-powered offenses, and so I don't think it's going to be very, very many highest, many points scored in this game. Take the under if you're a betting man. We got the Falcons traveling to Cincinnati to take on Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are favored by six and a half points. It's a one o'clock kickoff at Paycar Stadium. The over-under for this game is 47.0. Bengals are fresh off a 30-26 win over the New Orleans Saints in Week 6. Falcons, they're 3-3 on the season. They have been impressive so far. Marcus Mariota is playing some great football to start the season. But I don't think it's going to be enough in this matchup. I'm going to roll with the Bengals to beat the Falcons at Paycar Stadium. I'm going Bengals 30 Falcons, 21. The Packers are traveling to Washington to take on Tyler Heineke and the Washington Commanders. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff. The over-under for this matchup is 41.5. Y'all know how disgusted I am right now with the Green Bay Packers, but I expect the Packers to take care of business in this matchup and beat Taylor Heineke and the Washington football team. This is a must-win for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. If they don't win this matchup against the Commanders, then I'm going to be on suicide watch. I'll be upset about the Packers, and I won't answer my phone on Sunday, so don't call me. But I expect the Packers to take care of business. I'm going to roll with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers beating the Commanders in Washington. I'll go Packers 24, Commanders 17. Those are my NFL Week 7 wise picks for the week. 
the primetime matchup of the weekend is a rematch of NFL Super Bowl 54. And it's some nice matchups this weekend. Very, very nice matchups. But again, it's a must win for the Green Bay Packers, man. My Packers got to beat the Commanders. Because the Packers in week eight, they got the Buffalo Bills. So if the Packers lose to the Commanders, they're going to probably lose to the Bills. And that means they'll be three and five in the first eight games of the season. I don't want I, I don't want to oh my god, you don't want to see me in here if the Packers lose this weekend. It's not going to be good. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. Enjoy your sports weekend. We got the NBA. Is back. NHL is back. College football on Saturday. NFL week seven Sunday. Enjoy your weekend. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.